You're listening to Press This, a WordPress community podcast on WMR. Each week we spotlight members of the WordPress community. I'm your host, Doc Pop. I support the WordPress community through my role at WP Engine and my contributions on torquemag.io. You can subscribe to Press This on Red Circle, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. You can also download episodes directly at WMR.fm. And boy, I'm just going to say, I feel like I'm breaking the, the fourth wall here or whatever, but this is my nighttime voice. It's 10 p.m. here, and my guest, it's early in the morning for them, so I'm super excited we were able to make this work, but I'm just hearing myself and my energy. It's just different than usual, and I'm going to go with that. So today, I have the privilege of talking with Jonathan Bossinger, a full-time contributor to the WordPress project sponsored by Automatic. Jonathan is working with the training team on learn.wordpress.org on the launch of structured learning pathways and a learn WordPress redesign. Jonathan, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. And may I just say that your nighttime voice is very energetic, so I can only imagine what your daytime okay. voice is like. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little less perky. It's a little bassier or something. I, when I'm editing this, this is going to be a trip. And and Jonathan, it's 8 a.m. your time, something like that? Correct. And I was just mentioning as we're recording, it is Super Bowl Sunday here in San Francisco. So I would have trouble going to sleep anyway with all the fireworks going out. So this is totally fine. So we're going to dive into it. Like I said, Jonathan, you've been working on Learn.WordPress, a couple projects there, and I definitely want to talk about those. But before we get into those, everyone I talk to on WordPress seems to know you. Like personally, they send you correspondence all the time. It seems like you've kind of been around the space for a while. Can you tell us about, about how you got into WordPress and how long you've been in it? Yeah. So, so I haven't been around as, as long as many other folks in our community. I only joined, the, I officially only joined the WordPress project in around 2015, 2016. I went to my first WordCamp in Cape Town. I met the folks in the local community. There were a, a bunch of folks visiting from around the world. Pippin was there. Jenny Wong was there. Drew James was there. And I got to meet all these folks. And, and I vividly remember having a conversation with Jenny Wong about contributing to WordPress and how to get involved, which led me to my first contributions to the documentation team. At the time, oh, cool. the documentation team was busy doing a massive migration from the codex to what is now known as Help Hub and DevHub, you know, all the official documentations on WordPress.org. And my first contribution was literally just copying text from a codex page into a Google Doc. To, and then and then ticking it off in a box somewhere to say that it has been copied into the duck. So that's that's where I got started. I think I think the reason that a lot of people know me is because I've had a fairly public relationship with with the, with the WordPress project. I tend to be very interactive. I tend to get involved in conversations, and so and so I've I've, I've interacted with a lot of folks over the years. I've been very blessed to have worked in positions where I'm allowed to interact with folks. So I've, I've sort of managed to make a name for myself, if you will, over the last few years. And all of that makes sense with the, the, what you're currently working on over at Learn WordPress. It seems like the perfect place for someone who is used to working with other folks and kind of reaching out and being social with them and helping ease them into the project. It sounded like you had no trouble getting into the WordPress project. I mean, was there, when you first contributed, were you, were you already very familiar with kind of open source ethos and, and contributing, or was it a learning experience for you when you first contributed? Funnily enough, no, it, it, I was very new to the concept of contributing to open source. I knew what open source was from a user or, a, or a, a consumer point of view. I had been working with PHP for a number of years. I'd worked with JavaScript, I'd worked with jQuery. 
I was using the Ubuntu desktop. So I knew about open source, but it was only when I, when I really started talking to people at, at WordCamp that I understood that there was this concept of contributing back to open source and, and that contributing back didn't just mean writing code. That was always the thing that I struggled with the most because I am a developer. I'm writing code all day. The last thing I want to do in my spare time is write more code. And, and that was the conversation that I had with Jenny. And I said, you know, I, I want to give back. I want to do something. But at the end of the day, the last thing I want to do is write code. And she said to me in that conversation, well, there's docs, there's, there's this, there's that, there's, there's all these other areas that you can contribute to. Why, why limit yourself to only contributing to code? And so that's how that journey started. Getting, getting into that process, I consider myself very lucky that I had that first person to speak to and, and ask questions of. And when I got started and I, you know, I signed up for things like Slack and those kind of things, there was a name that I could reach out to. And so that's something I've always, I've always tried to be for other people. You know, I've said this to Jenny many times. She was that person that I could reach out to and ask questions of and, Hey, where do I find this? And how do I do that? So whenever I meet folks and I, and I sort of invite them to contribute, I always like to be that there for them because having that first point of contact is so super important. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about the things that you're excited about right now with the Learn WordPress team. And I want to make sure also that I, I hopefully. I, I might have a habit of sometimes being like, if I'm interviewing you, I might make it sound like this is your thing, but obviously this is a team effort. So feel free to give them shout outs. Obviously you will. But for, for now, I want to talk about the launch of progressive user-friendly learning pathways. What are, I, I, I was a little confused in, in the terminology there, the learning pathways. Can you describe what, what you mean by that? Sure. So And thank you for mentioning the fact that it is very much a team effort. You know, I am but one person in the team. I am fortunate that I'm sponsored to do this work, but there is there is a great group of contributors that are working on all of this, and I want to definitely let them know that they are appreciated. So Learning Pathways, in late 2022, early 2023, the training team put out a learner survey, individual learner survey, asking the folks who are using learn.wordpress.org, what is working, what is not working, what do you want to see, what don't you want to see? One of the highlights that came out of, out of that survey was that the the learning process, the the way that we find information, the way that we learn things was very random. It was very unstructured. There was not a clear pathway for somebody who is either new to WordPress or new to designing with WordPress or new to developing with WordPress, where to get started, what are the tools that you need, what are the things that you, what are the bits and pieces. And I'm sure you'll have seen this. There's been a big explosion over the last few years of structured courses online taking you from zero to 10 or to 20 or to 100 or whatever. When we say learning pathways, we really just mean a structured process to learn a thing. In the, in the case of Learn WordPress, that thing is either using WordPress as a user, designing with WordPress as a designer or as a theme creator, or developing with WordPress as a plugin developer, as a theme developer, or as a more generalist developer. So what are the what are the fundamental pieces of information that you need to learn? And then what is the next level on top of that? And then what is the next level on top of that? I always, I always describe it as if you, if you could send somebody to a WordPress university and they had a two-year diploma or a three-year degree or whatever, what would they learn in year one? What would they learn in year two? What would they learn in year three? And that's the information we're trying to bring together in a more structured way so that anybody learning any level of WordPress knows where to start, knows where they're going, knows what the end goal is, as opposed to the scattershot random 
oh, here's an interesting thing. Oh, this might be useful to me. I don't know. Let me figure it out. I see that just on the description on your website, you describe yourself as having a focus on developer-related content. And I feel like that's an example right there where somebody might want to contribute to translation or something or editing videos or things like that. And they're all maybe getting funneled in. I'm assuming right now they're getting funneled into the same thing or when they land on Learn WordPress or if they want to contribute to Learn WordPress or make WordPress, they might have a hard time figuring out the topics if they need to get help because there's so many mm -hmm. different things. Is that maybe what l the pathways are that you're talking about or am I totally on the wrong page there? No, no, that's, that's very much a part of it. Contributing is a perfect example. Let's say you decide you want to start contributing to WordPress tomorrow. You've been using WordPress for a while. You've been working with it as a user, as a builder, as a extender, whatever the case may be. And now you want to start contributing. So you go and you and you find this thing called Learn WordPress, and you think, okay, I'm going to learn. I'm gonna, there's going to there's going to be. You would assume there's going to be a at least a header or a menu item that says Start your contribution journey here, and you're going to click on it, and it's going to take you to a series of lessons or a series of videos or a course or something, and take you through that process. At the moment, for somebody to find that. It's very, very difficult. At the moment, the design is very much focused on what we used to call tutorials and lesson plans, and then the courses are kind of secondary. There, there's no specific order to them. They're just sort of the most recently published course. So if you're somebody who needs to, to have a specific path ahead of you and, and to, mm -hmm. to get started, you're going to find it extremely overwhelming. You're not going to know where mm -hmm. to click around, what to do. And as we all know, when things are difficult, when things are overwhelming, then, then people get get tired and they move on. We had we had some great feedback from a contributor who joined us at the WordCamp Europe Contributor Day last year. She just joined a company and her role was to, I think, write about WordPress. I can't remember exactly what it was, but she was an experienced writer. She was experienced at putting together content, that kind of thing, but she was brand new to WordPress. And she said to me, I'm actually kind of cheating here today. I want to use this time to learn about WordPress. And I said, well, that's perfect. I'll tell you what. Here's Learn WordPress. You want to learn about WordPress. I'm not going to tell you where to go. Sit mm -hmm. down and tell me if you can learn what you can learn about WordPress by the end of this day. And I mean, Contributor Day, as you know, is a whole day. Mm -hmm. And halfway through the day, she said to me, I'm getting lost. I don't know where I need to go. I don't know what I need to do. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's important for me as a learner, as a brand new learner. And, and, and that was the feedback. And, and that was kind of the general feeling that we got from a lot of folks is yes, the information is good, the content is great, the quality is great, but the process of how we learn what we're looking for, how we search for things, how we find things, is just not where it needs to be. And that's what our focus is on now, is creating these pathways for users, for contributors, for developers, for whoever, that they can sit down in front of Learn WordPress and go, right, today I want to, or at least today, next six months, whatever it is, I want to learn how to do X. What are the things that I need to know to learn that X? And then we take them along that journey. And I think that's a good spot for us to take a quick break. And when we come back after these commercials, we'll continue our conversation with Jonathan Bossinger about improving the pathways, the learning pathways on Learn WordPress. So stay tuned for more after the short break. Time to plug into a commercial break. Stay tuned for more Press This in just a moment. Welcome back to Press This, a WordPress community podcast on WMR. I'm your host, Doc Pop, chatting today with Jonathan Bossinger who just told us about the, the concept of improving the learning pathways on Learn WordPress, meaning that if you need to learn anything and you go to learn WordPress.org, uh, learn.wordpress.org, 
you will be able to find that process better than in the past. Now, this is something that I believe this kind of update to how Learn WordPress worked, I believe it was announced in October of last year. And Jonathan, can you tell us like how long do you think this 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 update's going to take, including the web design, the, the 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 website redesign, and how far you all have gotten so far? As you mentioned, it was announced October last year. It, as I mentioned earlier, it's something that we've been we've been working to get going since the beginning of the year. The current the current goals, the redesign is obviously part of the process. You know, you can't you can't have structured content without a structured layout that actually guides the folks where they need to go. So that is. That is one of the first things that we're going to be doing. The goal there is to have that that redesign and the relaunch happening around midway this year, so so June, July this year. At the same time, we would like to be able to have the first set of structured learning pathways up and running as part of that relaunch. So when I say the first set, the first the beginner user learning pathway, the beginner designer learning pathway, and the beginner developer learning pathways at least. I think there are some more. I think we want to have some of the intermediate level ones done as well. I can't remember that offhand right now. But basically, we want to have those that, that content created, that structured content created, reviewed, ready to go. So we're looking at, at midway this year, roughly, as when we're aiming for the relaunch. As for the rest of it, it's, it's kind of a, a, big, a big project. It's kind of a long-term thing. So we've kind of, we've given ourselves this year, this year, our focus is, you know, the redesign and the Learning Pathways project. So by the end of this year, we're hoping to have the rest of the learning pathways that we have set up ready to rock and roll. Part of the part of the learning pathways includes contribution learning pathways. We've got some courses already that exist around contribution. We want to bring those in. So, so the At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Goal for that to sort of be, I'll say in big, in big quotes, wrapped up is by the end of this year. But it's definitely an ongoing project. It's definitely something that I think is going to go into 2025 as we get feedback from the community as to what's working, what's not working. But 2024 is our big year, and we're hoping by end of 2024, at least, the, the main body of work is is done and, and looking amazing, and everybody's loving it. You've mentioned earlier that some people have different things they might be looking to learn, and also some people have different ways that they like to learn. And one of the things that comes to mind for me is some people love consuming education through video. And some people hate video, especially, I mean, some coders I know actually prefer video, but it seems like largely if, if they're going to be a developer and they're looking for some sort of question, they want to be able to skim text and look around. And I'm just kind of wondering how y'all are figuring out that. Are you focusing just on one or the other? Or are you trying to cram, you know, if, if anything comes out, it has to be in video, audio, and text, what you're thinking around that? We're definitely aware of, of of those learners. I personally, myself, am actually the kind of person who prefers a combination of both. So mm -hmm. I like to watch a video, and then when it comes to the part of the code that I'm about to write, I like to be able to pause the video and copy that code from somewhere, and then mm -hmm. stick it in my editor and, and play around with it. So all of our content is going to have both an audio and a text component. 
oh, sorry, not audio, a video, video component and a text component. So there will be a video that you can watch and go through. And there is an associated text component that goes with that. That is for two reasons. First of all, because some folks like reading text. And secondly, because it makes the content more accessible. We also have subtitles on all of our, on all of our videos. And we're also doing something that is, that is fairly new. We are going to be leveraging the WordPress YouTube account to mm. embed the video into our platform so that we can include chapters. At the moment, WordPress TV, unfortunately, doesn't support chapters. YouTube does. So the content's going to stay on WordPress TV and those who want to watch the content through that medium can. But we are also sort of syncing it to, to the YouTube channel and we're embedding that YouTube video into Learn WordPress so that we can make, make use of the chapters. So if you want to jump ahead and you're just looking for that one specific part of the video, you can go straight there and you can go and use it there. Yeah, chap chapters are such a cool feature of YouTube. I've hacked them in different ways you can get really creative with them but even if you're just being straight up like instructional they're very great mm. people can go to the description underneath the video and click to the point that they want or as they're watching the video if you kind of mouse over the timeline you'll sort of see the chapter split up so if you're if you're already kind of familiar with the concept that's being introduced and you can just skip over that like two minutes of introduction and just skip into the first part of that one, mm -hmm. one other thing, Jonathan, this is, we're really in the weeds, but I just love hacking on YouTube. Some people are using subtitles and they're, they're adding annotations and corrections to their videos by using Klingon. So YouTube supports okay. Klingon for subtitles. <laughs> and I don't think it's an accessibility issue. I'm very sorry if this is not the case, but I think that some people playing around with accessibility, with the subtitles using Klingon to be like, oh, I misspoke. It's actually this or whatever. It's it's a really clever hack, and I I don't that's see y'all doing clever. it, but it's it's very cool. Like, yeah, because I mean, it's, you know, with YouTube, that's one of the downsides is you put a video mm. up and it, you got to point to it, but you can't edit it. The only thing you can do is mm. crop out stuff. You can trim it, but you can't go back and like upload a different version with like you mm. know different audio where you say the name correctly or something. Right? It's like kind of permanent if you want to not have to change the the where everything's okay we are in the weeds doc come back all right so you, we talked about we talked about the pathways and how people are learning there's some redesigned stuff on wordpress.org that we've seen in different places have we already kind of seen some of the learn redesign so to the, i'm going to be perfectly honest with you my my focus has been on content so i followed the redesign conversation sort of tangentially but mm -hmm. it's not something i've i've made a point of of focusing on i kind of when I see an update, I'll make a comment and I'll, I'll you know, sort of have my two cents here and there. As to the best of my knowledge, there is a design thread. If you go to the make.wordpress.org slash training site, so the training team site, and you click on the Learning Pathways project, there is in that thread somewhere in one of the comments, there is a link to the design, which is currently on Figma, I think it is. So it is there. We're obviously discussing it. There is also... As you as you've rightly mentioned, there have been some redesign things going on in the rest of the WordPress project. We recently had the the documentation redesign that was that was launched. So so that is the, the the redesign. The way the redesign is working is we are requesting certain things, and then the design folks are coming back and saying, "Well, we need to not allow certain things because it's got to stick with the you know the new design and the new layout and those things." So it is there. I don't have the link. Oh, wait, I, I've got the link here, so I can send it to you if you want to. If you want to pop it into into show notes, so it is out there. Folks can come and see it and comment on it, but it's not something that we that we have had a lot of 
posts about because we're still in the process of getting to a point where we have what we want as a team in terms of learning pathways and the design folks are happy with the design that it matches the rest of the site. So there are some links there that you can go and check out, but nothing, nothing, nothing as actively public has been happening with the design in terms of conversations as has been doing with the content. So it's, you have to just go and find, find that mock-up and, and go through there. Well, that's a good spot for us to take one more break. And when we come back, we're going to wrap up our conversation with Jonathan Bossinger. I'm going to switch gears a little bit and talk about video games and about a WordPress video game if we have time. So stay tuned for more after the short break. Time to plug into a commercial break. Stay tuned for more Press This in just a moment. Welcome back to Press This, a WordPress community podcast. I'm your host, Doc Pop. Today, I'm talking to Jonathan Bossinger. So far, we've been talking about learning and how to improve Learn WordPress, learn.wordpress.org. And after all that, I just want to switch gears a little bit and relax. I love video games. I love talking about video games. And I was really happy to see a project that, Jonathan, that you made called Dodge that combines WordPress with video games. And when I say combines WordPress, you literally built a video game using the WordPress Activity API, right? Yes, that's correct. Not not only the interactivity API, but also the custom post type API and a few other internals. <laughs> you know, it, it just occurred to me, we, we mentioned BuddyPress briefly. You you could even integrate into BuddyPress for your high scores, maybe. There indeed, could be like a form. indeed. We could, but then you got to get into content moderation. Never mind. This is a terrible idea. Forget that. This is, That's the worst <laughs> idea I've ever had. But Buddy, <laughs> you say you say that though, but yeah. My next my next gaming project that I'm thinking about doing is something that I want to be a bit more social. And BuddyPress is the perfect the perfect platform to build that on. So it's definitely not something that I haven't thought about. <laughs> well, the game that you built, and we'll include the link in the description, but I think they can probably also find it on your website, which we'll teach mm. at the end of the show. But it's jonathanbossinger.com. The game is called Dodge, and you play the WordPress logo and you are trying to avoid the logos of other CMSs, and you use the WASD or the arrow keys, I believe, so, you know, keyboard control, and just trying to move around, and every 10 seconds, the game gets slightly more difficult. I think every 10 seconds, everything speeds up by X percent, probably, and maybe more logos get added, but that's the, the fundamental game, and there's a, a record tracking score where you can, you can see the top players for each day, Jonathan, before we, we get into how this was built, have you seen anyone taking advantage of the the name screen, getting a high score and like plugging their plugging their plugin or anything like that? So I definitely, excuse me, I definitely have seen folks, and I expected this because the the process of submitting your high score is simply a, a WordPress REST API submission. It is not behind any kind of authentication other than mm. the specific user that I've created to to submit it. But because I'm using the REST API, any kind of cross-site scripting that might be attempted is automatically cleaned up by, by core WordPress functionality. So I have seen some folks try and submit. You can see they're kind of trying to submit something to try and inject some JavaScript or something like that. And, and I have seen that. I've also seen folks use it to effectively just get the best high score for that day. And there is, there is a little bit of an algorithm to the high scores that if you play it enough, you'll be able to work it out. But I can see straight away when somebody is trying to hack the high score, if you will. So I just I just unpublish those high scores. Um, so yes, it has been interesting to see. I I don't I don't judge folks who do it, but I do find it interesting that there are some folks that do try and just get the high score for the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It's interesting you mentioned the the hacking. Obviously, hacking something like this is always fun to do. And you're you're building a product and being like, hey, look at the weird way I'm tweaking this. And then people like me are like, oh, I wonder how I can break that. Is there when working with the WordPress activity API? Did you find that there are things that people need to watch out for in terms of like you, you mentioned in, injecting injecting CSS? Is there is there things people need to watch out when they're working with this? Like, did you learn anything that you wouldn't do again? I guess when building this. The interesting thing about using the interactivity API was it was purely a bit of chance that it all worked out. I was I just run a workshop because one of the things that I do is I run workshops about upcoming WordPress releases. And I'm going to be doing a few of those soon for, for 6.5. And the interactivity API has, has been something that I've known about for a while. And I knew that it was it was going to possibly be included in 6.5. So I thought it'd be a good idea to to get into it and understand how it works. Fortunately, the interactivity API doesn't do any kind of storing of data or posting of data or anything like that. It literally just allows certain interactive elements on a page, on a block, or whatever the case may be. But I was very I was very glad that some time ago I'd actually done a a workshop around WordPress user roles and capabilities. And so when I built the 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 user that allows you to post your high score, I was able to implement those those user roles and those capabilities correctly. And, and sort of only allow someone to post that data. And the great thing was because I was using the REST API and posting it through the REST API, I didn't have to worry about any sanitization. The REST API handled that all for me. So just by using, and, and I'm sure you've said this before to many folks, you know, don't write something when you can use a core API. So just by using those core APIs, I was able to ensure that the, the, the game was, was secure. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great spot for us to wrap up today. Jonathan, I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate you getting up early and setting some time. I, I enjoyed chatting with you. If people want to learn more about what you're working on, what's a good spot for them to be able to follow you? So the best place to find me is on my website, my blog, jonathanbossinger.com, which you've already mentioned. I am on Twitter. I will not call it anything else, at john underscore Bossinger. I am also on Mastodon, but I think I'm on the... I'm on the Fostedon network and I can't remember what my name is, but you can find me there. Mm -hmm. But my, all my links to my social media accounts are all on my, on my homepage. So you can find them all there. And otherwise, if you want to ask me anything about what we're doing with Learn WordPress or anything else like that, the best place to find me is in the WordPress Slack because I spend a lot of my time there and, and I always welcome folks to, to connect with me there. And I also want to give a shout out to your podcast. I believe it's opensorcerypodcast.com. And uh, I look forward to hearing more of those. Did, did I get that URL right? URL right? Yes, I do. I do believe that is correct. I'm actually just checking now as we speak. <laughs> uh, yes, it's it's basically it's a it's a relaunch of a podcast that I was running a number of years ago. It used to be called the WP Hackercast. I opened it up to be more sort of open source focused. So there's three episodes there already from about two years ago, and I've got one in the pipeline and one that I'm busy trying to set up. So I liked I, I like you. I also like speaking to people in in the open source space. And so, and so that's, that's where my podcast comes from. Right on. Well, it's been great speaking with you. Thank you so much, Jonathan. And thanks to everyone who's listened. Next episode, we are going to be talking to Chris Messina, the creator of Hashtags. And we're going to be talking about something kind of surprising and interesting, I think, for WordPressers. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening to Press This, a WordPress community podcast on WMR. You can follow my adventures on Twitter at the Mag. But the best place to follow us is torquemag.io, where you can find transcribed versions of each of these podcasts, as well as tutorials and more. So that's torquemag.io. 
You can subscribe to Press This on Red Circle, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Popular. I support the WordPress community through my role at WP Engine, and I love spotlighting members of that community each and every week on Press This. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.